Pastor Xavier Reese and the simple truths of finding peace with God. Sin separates us from God. Isaiah 59, 1 and 2 says, God's hand is not short that he cannot save. Neither is his ear heavy that it cannot hear, but your sins have separated you from God. We are so quick to give up things thinking that now we deserve the love of God or the grace of God. And all God really wants is our sins. So he can forgive them. Until then, he can't do nothing. Because sin separates us from God. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. Getting close to God is the goal for many who call themselves religious. But Scripture says that God is holy, set apart from our sinful nature. Fortunately, He's made provision for man to close the gap with His plan of salvation in the gospel of Jesus Christ. And this is the simple truth that Pastor Xavier draws out from the 66 chapters of the Old Testament book of Isaiah. And it's all in the conclusion of our two-part character study of Isaiah today, beginning with a quick recap. The book of Isaiah has been called the mini-Bible, and I believe I mentioned that last time briefly. And this is due to the fact that it divides itself in a most natural way after chapter 39. And the interesting thing about that is that it is the same number of chapters, 39, as the 39 books that are in the Old Testament. And that's why it's been called a mini-Bible. Those first 39 chapters speak about judgment and, and, and God bring, bringing that judgment to pass. And so it's identified as Old Testament. And then beginning chapter 40. To the end, 66. Those are 27 chapters, which are equivalent to the 27 books of the New Testament. And they deal with the conversion and restoration of God towards Israel and the promised Messiah and also the church. And so for that reason, it's been called the mini-Bible. Now, the rediscovery of the book of Isaiah is an interesting thing. And as you know, it's been discovered in the Dead Sea Scrolls and the Qumran Caves. And it's verified the integrity of God's character and his trustworthiness. Now, the world argued, the world says, well, how do we know that the Bible is accurate? How do we know, you know, man wrote it? And, you know, I know you guys believe in this inspiration and this and that. But, you know, people make mistakes, this and that. So, God had to go find a shepherd boy and um, lead him to this cave. And there they found an entire scroll of Isaiah. Which was 700 years earlier than the one they possessed. The newly found scroll revealed that the word of God was and has been transferred down through the centuries with most amazing accuracy. The two were found to be identical, even though they were 700 years apart. The discrepancies were only 17 letters in question. And they did not affect the sense of the text at all. There has never been one piece of archaeological find that has ever contradicted or proven 
the Bible to be wrong. Not one. Now, the theology regarding the book of Isaiah is also interesting. We know it's vast, and our intention in this study is really to look at Isaiah, but to look at Isaiah, we have to kind of understand the content of Isaiah, so it's, it's a brief overview. First of all, Isaiah reveals that God is holy. A very chief characteristic of his message, God is holy. Listen to Isaiah 6, 1 through 5. It says, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on the throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe did fill the temple. Above it stood seraphims, each one with six wings, and two they covered their face, two they covered their feet, with two they flew. And the one cried to another, saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the posts of the door were shaken, the voice of him who cried out, and the whole house was filled with smoke. So I said, Woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. The seraphims were declaring this to be true. Holy, 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 in verse 2 and 3. The result was that Isaiah saw his own sinfulness before God. That is always what God is trying to do. God is not trying to impress us with himself. God is not trying to make us squirm like worms. He's trying to show us our sinfulness in view of his holiness and our need of him. That's the proclamation of the gospel. It isn't to beat people over the head with it, but it's to proclaim the news that they need to understand to make a proper decision about their eternity. The number of times the word holy appears in Isaiah is 69 times. 69 times the word holy. Now there are many words that imply holiness and, and texts that imply, but just the word holy appears that many times. Do you think God wants you and I to understand that he's holy? That's the key message of Isaiah. Holiness is God's moral attribute that is communicable to man. He's holy we can be holy if he touches us and he changes us. Now, secondly, Isaiah reveals that God is a monotheist. In other words, that is, he is the only true God. Mono from one. There is no other God. Never has been, never will be. This is a key theme in Isaiah 45, verse 5 and 6. God declared this to be an absolute truth. Listen to him. I am the Lord and there is no other there is no God besides me. I will gird you, though you have not known me, that they may know from the rising of the sun to its setting that there is none besides me. I am the Lord, and there is no other. Now, how much clearer does God have to say it? I am the Lord. That is my name. In my glory I will not give to another, nor my praise to carved images. Isaiah 42.8 All that you have I've given. Give me the glory. A very key theme in the theology of Isaiah. Thirdly, Isaiah reveals that sin must be repented of or it will be judged. In his own person we've seen in Isaiah 6, 5, Woe is me, I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. You must see God high and lifted up, 
and that he's holy and that you're sinful and that the only way you can approach God is through the person of Jesus Christ who died for you and who can forgive your sins by his blood. Chapter 1, verse 18. Come now and let's reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall be as wool. If you are willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. But if you refuse and rebel, you shall be devoured by the sword. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken it. This is God pleading with sinful man. This is the passion of God. This is the compassion of God. This is the mission of God. To plead with man through men who he calls to preach the gospel. Lastly, but not exhaustively, but this will do. Isaiah reveals that faith in God is the only way to advert judgment. Faith in God. Not just stopping doing certain things. But faith in God. People think if they just quit doing certain things, then they become good, they go to heaven. No, no, no. If you're a fornicator, an adulterer, or if you steal, and if you stop doing those things, you're still going to go to hell. You need to have faith in God. And what He declares to be true. And what He declares to be absolutely a need in your life. For you to embrace his son. The head of Ephraim is Samaria. And the head of Samaria is Ramaliah's son. If you will not believe, surely you shall not be established. Isaiah 7, 29. Bottom line. Listen to him. Therefore thus saith the Lord God. Behold, I lay on Zion a stone of foundation, a tried stone, a precious cornerstone, a sure foundation. Whoever believes will not act hastily. Isaiah 28, 16. That was quoted in the New Testament. That stone was Jesus Christ. You have to believe in the person of Christ, in the Son of God, in the Messiah. For thus saith the Lord God, the Holy One of Israel, in returning and rest you, you shall be saved. In quietness and confidence shall be your strength. But you would not. Isaiah thirty fifteen. What a sad commentary. But you would not. Amos the prophet says, you've done this, I've done this, you haven't done that. I did this, you did that. Now, prepare to meet your God. Scariest words in the Bible. Are you prepared to meet your God? Are you pure of your sin? If you are, it's because of Christ Jesus. No other reason. Isaiah reveals God's faithfulness. What is that? He has a remnant. He has a remnant. God declared that a tenth would return from the land and identifies them as a stump cut down. We shared that last week. The holy stump. Chapter 6 verse 13. God calls them a remnant of Israel in chapter 10 verse 20 through 23. And God will return them from their captivity. Isaiah 11 verse 11 and 16. Many others. But that's just to give you a little glimpse. The theology of Isaiah is incredible. <laughs> a hermit once having renounced the world and lost all things, yet found no peace. It seemed to him in his lonely cell that the Lord was asking something more. He said, but I have given you everything, cried the hermit. God said, all but one thing, answered the Lord. What is it, Lord? Your sins. 
We are so quick to give up things thinking that now we deserve the love of God or the grace of God. And all God really wants is our sins. So he can forgive them. So he can begin the change of transformation. The work of his spirit in us. Until then he can't do nothing. Because sin separates us from God. Isaiah 59, 1 and 2 says, God's hands not short that he cannot save. Neither is his ear heavy that it cannot hear, but your sins have separated you from God. And he speaks about turning his face away from him. This is a theology regarding God in the book of Isaiah. Just a glimpse of it. Now, the last thing we want to point out is the portions of the book of Isaiah. And I'm going to run you through Briefly, so you get some kind of understanding of how the book flows. We begin with the first division that goes from chapter 1 all the way to 39. We're going to make the division real simple. Two halves. Chapter 1 through 39 is the first half. You might call this the oracles of retribution and restitution. The oracles of retribution and restitution. Okay? Now... The outline is not mine originally. I've done some changes, but uh, Sid Little Baxter's given this, and I took it because it's real, real basic, real clear, so it's good. Within those first 39 chapters of this passage, you have the day of Jehovah and Judah, and you have those in the first six chapters. Within those six chapters, first of all, in chapter 1, you have the indictment of guilt. In chapter 2, you have the future house of Israel. In chapter 3 and 4, you have the judgment and the lamentation. And then in chapter 5, you have the wayward vineyard. God did all that he could, and what came up? Wild grapes. Wild vineyard. So it's not God's fault. You see, God doesn't go for uh, dysfunctionalism. God says, you take responsibility. It's not somebody else's fault. It's your fault. You have to take your own responsibility. I don't make mistakes. Chapter 6, the prophet's call. Then you come chapter 7 to 12. And you have the day of Jehovah in Israel. Chapter 7 and 8, the judgment of Israel. Chapter 9, the promised Messiah. Chapter 10, the instrument of Assyria. And chapter 11 and 12, the reign of Messiah and the praise of Messiah. And then you have, from chapter 13 to 23, the ten burdens of the nations. Remember, he's also declaring judgment to the Gentile nations. Chapter 13 to 14, 27, the burden of Babylon. From verse 28 of chapter 14 to 32, you have the burden of the Philistines. Chapter 15 and 16, the burden of Moab. Chapter 17 and 18, the burden of Damascus. Chapter 19 and 20, the burden of Egypt. And chapter 21, verse 1 through 10, the burden of the desert of the sea. Chapter 21, verse 11 through 12, the burden of Duma or Edom. Chapter 21, 13 through 17, the burden of Arabia. Chapter 22, the burden of the Valley of Visions. And chapter 23, the burden of Tyre. There you have the judgment to all the Gentile nations. They're clumped together. Then when you come to chapter 24 through 27, you have the day and the whole world. The day meaning the day of Jehovah, the day of judgment. In chapter 24, the impending judgment. Chapter 25, the praise to God. Chapter 26, verse 1 through 19, you have the song of salvation. In chapter 26, 20, all the way to chapter 27, 13, you have the refuge from coming judgment. 
Are, are you catching something that you keep coming across the outline? God always shows the way out. There's always choices, people. He is so merciful. He never brings judgment without warning. Never. Maybe you're mixed up in some things you have no business being mixed up in and God's been warning you and you keep ignoring the checks. Maybe it's a cute, wiggly little thing down in the office. You need to be careful. Maybe it's the neighbor down the street that seems to be so open to help whenever your husband's not around. You fill in the blank. Don't ignore the checks. When you get to chapter 28 to 33, you have the six woes upon Jerusalem. In chapter 28, the drunkards of Ephraim and Judah. Interesting, when a generation is so depraved, one of the chief characteristics is drunkenness. Chapter 29 to verse 24, you have the evil schemers of Jerusalem. When you get to chapter 30, you have the revolters against Jehovah. Chapter 31, the unholy alliance makers. In chapter 32, you have the reign of righteousness. In 33, you have the Assyrian spoiler. 34 to 35 give you, in these two chapters, the final wrath. Zion restored. Chapter 34, Jehovah's world's judgment. Chapter 35, Zion's restoration. So Isaiah covers immediate judgment through Assyria, but he goes into the future when God will restore Israel again. So you have short-term, long-term prophecies. As we pointed out many times in the Old Testament. The last section here, chapter 36 to 39, you have the historical addendum of the first half of the book. In chapter 36, you have Sennacherib's boast against Jehovah. Chapter 37, Hezekiah's deliverance through intercession as God promised to deliver him. Chapter 38, Hezekiah's life is extended. Remember, he cried like a baby. He didn't want to go home. God gave it to him. Through him, Manasseh was born. Extra 15 years. Manasseh was the most evil king. Manasseh cut Isaiah in two with a wooden saw. Ow. You know, sometimes God wants you to go home. Best thing to do is go home. Don't stick around and mess up what God's done in your life. <laughs> that was Hezekiah. Chapter 39, Hezekiah shows the envoys of Babylon. All that he had, became, they came to say, Oh, we heard you were sick, you recovered. And he showed off. God says, the people you showed everything to, they're going to come back. They're going to take everything from here. Interesting. That's the first half of the book. The last half. Chapter 40 to 66. It's real brief. We'll make it simple. Chapter 40 to 48. The supremacy of Jehovah. In chapter 40 and 41, you have Jehovah's supreme attributes. That's the focus. In chapter 42 to 45, you have Jehovah's supreme in redemption. This is like New Testament now. This is the comfort. In chapter 46 through 48, Jehovah supreme in punishment. Because to those who reject the grace, there's still punishment, right? God can't wink at sin. He can't say, oh, it's okay, shine it on. You can come in. He can't do that. He can't violate what? His own holiness. 
Then chapter 49 to 57, you have the servant of Jehovah. Chapter 49 through 53, first Israel, the final one is Christ. 54 and 55, Israel restored, Christ reigns. 56 to 57, the present urge and promise is there. And then you have the last section, 58 through 66, the challenge of Jehovah. First, in 58 and 9, this is in view of present wrongdoing. In 60 through 65, in view of future events. In 66, in view of challenge, promise, and warning. God always gives us choices, people. Always. Now, when you think of Isaiah, I want you to think of this. Two scriptures that are key. One that reveals the compassion of God, and it's evident there in Isaiah 1.18. Come, let's reason together. God is pleading with sinful man. And that's why he sent his son. So we plead in Christ's stead, Paul says now. We are ambassadors for Christ. Second is Isaiah 64.6, the first two portions. Your righteousness and mine are as filthy rags, a menstrual garment. That's what it says. The only translation that translates it accurately is a Jehovah Witness Bible. That's tragic. Isaiah says, man, you stink. All that can be done with you is to be thrown away unless God has his way with you. And God is pleading with you. What are you going to do? As the body is beautifully proportioned in symmetry and fits together, so the chapters of Isaiah's book in every book. In geometry, there is an axiom that says that the whole is equal to the sum of its parts and no part is greater than the whole. It's the same with the book of Isaiah. It's the same with the entire Bible. These are the portions of the book of Isaiah. And so, the prophet who was called by God to be his mouthpiece is evident by the content of the book. The unity and authenticity of the book reveals the proclamation of Isaiah. The theology regarding God in the book of Isaiah reveals the passion of Isaiah. And the portions of the book reveal the perseverance of Isaiah. So remember, the proclamation of Isaiah, the passion of Isaiah, and the perseverance. You and I must have a proclamation to this world. It must be the gospel of Jesus Christ. You and I must have passion for that proclamation. And you and I must be one who has great perseverance because God is in us. It's a choice, people. It's a high calling. It is to each of us, not just to some. So, may we be Isaiah's to a lost, corrupt, sinful generation, which you and I were part of. And by God's grace, we have escaped. But let's not forget there are too many left behind still. 
May God give us that compassion. Pastor Xavier Reese, ending with an appropriate challenge to persevere with passion in proclaiming to an ever-needy generation the saving grace of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And with just enough time before we close for today, let me mention that copies of today's Simple Truth study titled Isaiah Part 2 are available on CD for only $4. And this will also include everything Pastor Xavier shared the last time we were together as well. So once again, the title to ask for is Isaiah Part 2, or simply mention today's date. You can request your copy by writing Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And thanks for mentioning the call letters of this station when you get in touch. This helps us track the effectiveness of this ministry in your area. And then be back for more Simple Truths right here next time with Pastor Xavier Reese. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California www.calvarychapelpasadena.com 